Chapters 11 and 12 of Sister Dolorosa by James Lane Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 There was thus spared him knowledge of the great change that had taken place regarding her within the councils of the order, nor perhaps was he ever to learn of the other changes, more eventful still, that were now fast closing in upon her destiny. When the Creator wishes to create a woman, the beauty of whose nature is to prefigure the types of an immortal world, he endows her more plenteously with the faculty of innocent love. The contravention of this faculty has time after time resulted in the most memorable tragedies that have ever saddened the history of the race. He had given to the nature of Pauline Cambron two strong, unwearying wings, the pinion of faith and the pinion of love. It was his will that she should soar by the use of both. But they had denied her the use of one, and the vain and bewildered struggle which marked her life thenceforth were as those of a bird that should try to rise into the air with one of its wings bound tight against its bosom. After the illness which followed upon the events of that terrible day, she took towards her own conduct the penitential attitude enjoined by her religion. There is little need to lay bare all that followed. She had passed out of her soft world of heroic dreams into the hard world of unheroic reality. She had chosen a name to express her sympathy with the sorrows of the world, and the sorrows of the world had broken in upon her out of the white dawn of the imagination she had stepped into the heat and burden of the day long after penance and prayers were over and by others she might have felt herself forgiven she was as far as ever from that forgiveness which comes from within it is not characteristic of a nature such as hers to win pardon so easily for such an offence of her being seemed concentred more and more in one impassioned desire to expiate her sin. For, as time passed on, despite penances and prayers, she realized that she still loved him. As she pondered this, she said to herself that peace would never come unless she should go elsewhere and begin life over in some place that was free from the memories of her fall there was so much to remind her of him. She could not go into the garden without recalling the day when they had walked through it side by side. She could not cross the threshold of the church without being reminded that it was the scene of her unfaithfulness and of her exposure. The graveyard, the footpath across the fields, the observatory, all were full of disturbing images and therefore she besought the mother superior to send her away to some one of the missions of the order, thinking that thus she would win forgetfulness of him and singleness of heart. But while the plan of doing this was yet being considered by the mother superior, there happened one of those events which seemed to fit into the crises of our lives as though determined by the very laws of fate, the attention of the civilized world had not yet been fixed upon the heroic labors of the Belgian priest, Father Damien, among the lepers of the island of Molokai. But it has been stated that near the convent are the monks of La Trappe. 
Among these monks were friends of the American priest, Brother Joseph, who for years was one of Father Damien's assistants. And to these friends this priest from time to time wrote letters in which he described at great length the life of the leper settlement and the work of the small band of men and women who had gone to labor in that remote and awful vineyard. The contents of these letters were made known to the ecclesiastical superior of the convent, and one evening he made them the subject of a lecture to the assembled nuns and novices dwelling with peculiar eloquence upon the devotion of the three franciscan sisters who had become outcasts from human society that they might nurse and teach leprous girls until inevitable death should overtake them also among that breathless audience of women there was one soul on whom his words fell with the force of a message from the eternal here then at last was offered her a pathway by following meekly to the end of which she might perhaps find blessedness the real man of sorrows appeared to stand in it and beckon her on to the abodes of those abandoned creatures whose sufferings he had with peculiar pity so often stretched forth his hand to heal when she laid before the mother superior her petition to be allowed to go it was at first refused being regarded as a momentary impulse but months passed and at intervals always more earnestly she renewed her request it was pointed out to her that when one has gone among the lepers there is no return. The alternatives are either lifelong banishment or death from leprosy, usually at the end of a few years. But always her reply was, In the name of Christ, mother, let me go. Meantime it had become clear to the mother superior that some change of scene must be made the days of sister dolorosa's usefulness in the convent were too plainly over it had not been possible in that large household of women to conceal the fact of her unfaithfulness to her vows as one black veil whispered to another as one white veil communed with its attentive neighbor little by little events were gathered and pieced together until in different forms of error and rumor the story became known to all some from behind window lattices had watched her in the garden with the young stranger on the day of his visiting the convent others had heard of his lying wounded at the farmhouse still others were sure that under pretext of visiting old martha she had often met him in the fields and then the scene on the steps of the church when she had returned soiled and torn and fainting so that from the day on which she arose from her illness and began to go about the convent she was singled out as a target for those small arrows which the feminine eye directs with such faultless skill at one of its own sex with scarcely perceptible movements they would draw aside when passing her as though to escape corrupting contact certain ones of the younger sisters who were jealous of her beauty did not fail to drop innuendos for her to overhear and upon some of the novices whose minds were still wavering between the church and the world it was thought that her example might have a dangerous influence 
It is always wrong to judge motives, but it is possible that the head of the order may have thought it best that this ruined life should take on the halo of martyrdom, from which fresh lustre would be reflected upon the annals of the Church. However this may be, after about eighteen months of waiting, during which correspondence was held with the Sandwich Islands, it was determined that Sister Dolorosa should be allowed to go thither and join the labors of the Franciscan sisters. From the day when consent was given, she passed into that peace with which one ascends the scaffold or awaits the stake. It was this look of peace that Gordon had seen on her face as she moved hither and thither about the shrine. Only a few weeks after he had thus seen her, the day came for her to go. Of those who took part in the scene of farewell, she was the most unmoved. A month later she sailed from San Francisco for Honolulu, and in due time there came from Honolulu to the Mother Superior the following letter. It contains all that remains of the earthly history of Pauline Cambrone. Chapter 12 Kalawao, Molokai, Hawaiian Islands, January 1, 18... Dear Mother, I entreat you not to let the sight of this strange handwriting, instead of one that must be so familiar, fill you with too much alarm. I hasten to assure you that before my letter closes you will understand why Sister Dolorosa has not written herself. Since the hour when the vessel sailed from the American port, bearing to us that young life as a consecrated helper in our work among these suffering outcasts of the human race, I know that your thoughts and prayers have followed her with unceasing anxiety, so that first I should give you tidings that the vessel reached Honolulu in safety. I should tell you also that she had a prosperous voyage, and that she is now happy, far happier than when she left you. I know likewise that your imagination has constantly hovered about this island, and that you have pictured it to yourself as the gloomiest of all spots in the universe of God, so that in the next place I should try to remove this impression by giving you some description of the island itself, which has now become her unchanging home. The island of Molokai, then, on which the leper settlement has been located by the government, is long and shaped much like the leaf of the willow tree. The Sandwich Islands, as you well know, are a group of volcanoes out of which the fires have for the most part long since died. Molokai, therefore, is really but a mountain of cooled lava, half of which, perhaps, is beneath the level of the sea. The two leper villages are actually situated in the cup of an ancient crater. The island is very low along the southern coast, and slopes gradually to its greatest altitude on the northern ridge, from which the descent to the sea is in places all but perpendicular. It is between the bases of these northern cliffs and the sea that the villages are built. In the rear of them is a long succession of towering precipices and wild ravines that are solemn and terrible to behold, and in front of them there is a coastline so rough with pointed rocks that as the waves rush in upon them spray is often thrown to the height of fifty or a hundred feet. It is this that makes the landing at times so dangerous, and at other times when a storm has burst so fatal.
so that shipwrecks are not unknown, dear mother, and sometimes add to the sadness of life in this place. But from this description you would only get a mistaken idea of the aspect of the island. It is sunny and full of tropical loveliness. The lapse of centuries has in places covered the lava with exquisite verdure. Soft breezes blow here, about the dark cliffs hang purple atmospheres, and above them drift pink and white clouds. Sometimes the whole island is veiled in golden mist. Beautiful streams fall down its green precipices into the sea, and the sea itself is of the most brilliant blue. In its depths are growths of pure white corals, which are the homes of fishes of gorgeous colors. If I should speak no longer of the island, but of the people, I could perhaps do something further still to dissipate the dread with which you and other strangers must regard us. The inhabitants are a simple, generous, happy race, and there are many spots in this world, many in Europe and Asia, perhaps some in your own land, where the scenes of suffering and death are more poignant and appalling. The lepers live for the most part in decent white cottages. Many are the happy faces that are seen among them. So that, strange as it may seem, healthy people would sometimes come here to live if the laws did not forbid. So much has Christianity done that one may now be buried in consecrated ground. If all this appears worldly and frivolous, dear mother, forgive me. If I have chosen to withhold from you news of her, of whom alone I know you are thinking, it is because I have wished to give you as bright a picture as possible. Perhaps you will thus become the better prepared for what is to follow. So that before I go further, I shall pause again to describe to you one spot which is the loveliest on the island. About a mile and a half from the village of Kalawau, there is a rocky point which is used as an irregular landing place when the sea is wild. Just beyond this point there is an inward curve of the coast making an inlet of the sea, and from the water's edge there slopes backward into the bosom of the island a deep ravine. Down this ravine there falls and winds a gleaming white cataract and here the tropical vegetation grows most beautiful. The trees are wreathed with moist creepers, the edges and crevices of the lava blocks are fringed with ferns and moss. Here the wild ginger blooms and the crimson lahua. Here grow trees of orange and palm and panhala groves. Here one sees the rare honey-bird with its plumage of scarlet velvet, the golden plover, and the beautiful white bosom-bird wheeling above the black cliff-heights. The spot is as beautiful as a scene in some fairy-tale. When storms roll in from the sea, the surf flows far back into this ravine, and sometimes, after the waters have subsided, a piece of wreckage from the ocean is left behind. Forgive me once more, O oh dear mother, if again I seem to you so idle and unmeaning in my words, but I have found it almost impossible to go on, and besides I think you will thank me, after you have read my letter through, for telling you first of this place. From the day of our first learning that there was a young spirit among you who had elected for Christ's sake to come here and labor with us, we had counted the days till she should arrive. The news had spread throughout the leper settlement. 
Father Damien had made it known to the lepers in Kilauea. Father Wendelin had likewise told it among the lepers at Kalapapa, and the Protestant ministers spoke of it to their flocks. Thus her name had already become familiar to hundreds of them, and many a prayer had been offered up for her safety. Once a week there comes to Molokai from Honolulu a little steamer called Mokuli'i. When it reached here last Saturday morning, it brought the news that just before it sailed from Honolulu, the vessel bearing Sister Dolorosa had come into port. She had been taken in charge by the sisters until the Mokoli'i should return and make the next trip. I should add that the steamer leaves at about five o'clock in the afternoon, and that it usually reaches here at about dawn of the following morning in ordinary weather. And now, dear mother, I beseech you to lay my letter aside. Do not read further now. Lay it aside, and do not take it up again until you have sought in prayer the consolation of our divine religion for the sorrows of our lives. I shall believe that you have done this, and that as you now go on with the reading of my letter, you have gained the fortitude to hear what I have scarcely the power to write. Heaven knows that in my poor way I have sought to prepare you. As it was expected that the steamer would reach the island about dawn on Saturday morning, as usual it had been arranged that many of us should be at the landing place to give her welcome. But about midnight one of the terrific storms which visit this region suddenly descended, enveloping the heavens that had been full of the light of the stars in impenetrable darkness. We were sleepless with apprehension that the vessel would be driven upon the rocks, such was the direction of the storm, long before it could come opposite the villages. And a few hours before the day, Father Damien, accompanied by Father Conradi, Brother James, and Brother Joseph, went down to the coast. Through the remaining hours of the night they watched and waited, now at one point and now at another, knowing that the vessel could never land in such a storm. As the dawn broke, they followed up the coast until they came opposite the rocky point of which I have already spoken as being an irregular landing place. Here they were met by two or three men who were drenched with the sea and just starting towards the villages, and from them they learned that an hour or two before the steamer had been driven upon the hidden rocks of the point. It had been feared that it would soon be sunk or dashed to pieces, and as quickly as possible a boat had been put off in which were the leper girls that were being brought from Honolulu. There was little hope that it would ever reach the shore, but it was the last chance of life. In this boat, dear mother, Sister Dolorosa also was placed. Immediately afterwards a second boat was put off containing the others that were on board. Of the fate of the first boat they had learned nothing. Their own had been almost immediately capsized, and so far as they knew, they were the sole survivors. The Hawaiians are the most expert of swimmers, being almost native to the sea, and since the distance was short and only these survived, you will realize how little chance there was for any other. During the early hours of the morning, which broke dark and inexpressibly sad for us, a few bodies were found washed ashore, among them those of two leper girls of Honolulu. 
but our search for her long proved unavailing at length father damien suggested that we follow up the ravine which i have described and it was thither that he and brother joseph and i accordingly went father damien thought it well that i should go with them it was far inland dear mother that at last we found her she lay outstretched on a bare black rock of lava which sloped upward from the sea her naked white feet rested on the green moss that fringed its lower edge and her head was sheltered from the burning sun by branches of ferns almost over her eyes the lids of which were stiff with the salt of the ocean there hung a spray of white poppies it was as though nature would be kind to her in death at the sight of her face so young and having in it the purity and the peace of heaven we knelt down around her without a word and for a while we could do nothing but weep surely nothing so spotless was ever washed ashore on this polluted island if i sinned i pray to be forgiven but i found a strange joy in thinking that the corruption of this terrible disease had never been laid upon her heaven had accepted in advance her faithful spirit and had spared her the long years of bodily suffering at father damien's direction brother joseph returned to the village for a beer and for four lepers who would be strong enough to bear it when they came we laid her on it and bore her back to the village where mother marianne took the body in charge and prepared it for burial how shall i describe her funeral the lepers were her pallbearers the news of the shipwreck had quickly spread throughout the settlement and those simple generous people yield themselves so readily to the emotion of the hour when the time arrived it seemed that all who could walk had come to follow her to the churchyard it was a moving sight the long wavering train of that death-stricken throng whose sufferings had so touched the pity of our lord when he was on earth and the desolation of whose fate she had come to lessen there were the young and the old alike protestants and catholics without distinction children with their faces so strangely aged with ravages of the leprosy those advanced in years with theirs so mutilated and marred others upon whom the leprosy had made such advances that they were too weak to walk sat in their cottage doors and lifted their husky voices in singing that wailing native hymn in which they bemoaned their hopeless fate some of the women after a fashion of their own wore large wreaths of blue blossoms and green leaves about their withered faces and it was thus that we lepers i say we lepers because i am one of them since i cannot expect long to escape the disease it was thus that we lepers followed her to the graveyard in the rock by the blue sea where father damien with his own hands had helped to dig her grave and there dear mother all that is mortal of her now rests but we know that ere this she has heard the words i was sick and ye visited me mother marianne would herself have written but she was called away to the leprosary sister agatha end of chapter twelve end of sister dolorosa by james lane allen